Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of Docs After Dark. This is our episode for September of 2020, and we've got some uh, pretty great, exciting things going on, and we have a special guest as well that I'll introduce in just a minute. So, as usual, my name is Jeff Schoenberger, and I have with me... Danielle Davis-Rowe. And I'm John Federico. And we have a fourth person on our podcast for the first time in a while, and it's a special guest from our friends and partners at Big Hand, and uh, it's Judy Ramon. And Judy, uh, say hello and tell us a bit about yourself. Well, hi, everyone, and thank you so much, guys, for having me here today. I'm a client solutions manager with Big Hand and have been lucky enough to be in the legal industry for 20 years this month. <laughs> so, wow. yep, happy to be here. So, so um, are you kind of a computer nerd too, or mostly just the legal tech stuff? So I, I started off being kind of a training nerd, and then for a short stint, I was a computer nerd, and now I'm back to being more of a training slash sales nerd, if you will. <laughs> ah, because I was just thinking that um, I've been seeing uh, going around that it's like the quarter, what is it, the 25th anniversary of Windows 95 coming out. And that was the first time I really paid a huge amount of attention to computers. And I was just thinking for 20 years, you probably got in at the very beginning of, uh, of some of the legal tech stuff with uh, Windows graphics and things. Yeah. And actually, my very first experience on a computer with um, Windows was Windows 3.1. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow. <laughs> I bet John remembers Windows 2.0 and 1.0. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> No, John, weren't you a filthy Amiga user? No, I was not, actually. I had uh, other computers, but um, I do remember Windows 3.0 and 3.1. So, oh, wow. Yep. Awesome. Danielle, what was your first uh, computer operating system? I believe Windows 95. Wow, you're so young. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Now that we've had a bit of a trip down memory lane, just because I was flipping through Twitter before it started, um, and so let's talk a little bit about, first up, what we usually do is uh, some news segments. So we've had a couple of, uh, of product announcements come down in the uh, past month. Uh, I'm going to start with Danielle, and she's going to tell us a little bit about Woodpe what Woodpecker is doing. Woodpecker's been adding a bunch of really cool new features this year. It's really exciting. The one that was just released is the ability to add a page break by typing four characters into a text field or a multi-select field. You essentially just put a PB in between greater than and less than symbols, and it puts a page break in your document and the middle of that field, essentially. I am really excited to do work with that and uh, see what all... Um, I can make it do, but it's an exciting improvement that we don't see in a whole lot of other programs. Yeah, that sounds uh, really, really interesting. They, yeah, I think a lot of the um, a lot of the, the so a lot of the web-based programs are you know doing a lot of interesting and neat things too. So it'll be cool to see what comes of that, especially. And we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, with uh, with respect to Big Hand about some re remote work opportunities and what's going on with document automation there. Uh, John, you did a uh, did a webinar not too long ago for uh, Ilta with Express Docs. Tell us a little bit about what Express Docs is doing these days. Well, uh, the Ilta uh, the Ilta panel was on the future of document automation, and so uh, we had uh, Bethany and Carlos from DocAgility on, Brom from Nimbus, and it was hosted by Express Docs. Chris Pearson from Express Docs hosted it. I was on it as well, and um, a lot of it was about the talk of 
what's coming down the pipeline, you know, what sort of technologies are changing. And everything's a little bit scary now only because the pace of change is so great. And so we had a good, great panel discussion on where we all think artificial intelligence is going uh, in, in regards to document automation. We talked about smart contracts. Uh, and then we had a big talk about the different versions of software that are out there, uh, you know, and whether or not there'll be any market leaders. And the fact that there's, I think, so upwards of 250 different possible document automation programs out there right now. Uh, and Wait, know, how it, many? How many different? Uh, I think we the, the count, the number that was thrown out was 250. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but there's a lot of new startups coming out with with various document automation features. And, you know, the question is, is, you know, are they all going to survive, which I don't think they will. Um, but, uh, you know, will there be an opportunity for another market leader like hot dogs? And so we had a pretty good discussion about that. Um, and I and I think there 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 is an opportunity for, for market leaders. And I think, you know, right now, the, the big three that we've seen in terms of more sophisticated automation is obviously um, Express Docs, Hot Docs and Contract Express. Uh, I think there's some other ones out there. Um, you know, Nackley uh, certainly has an interesting product. Um, I think, you know, people were talking about Exari on the panel as well. So there's a I've, lot I've of, heard of... I've not heard of Exari. What's Exari? Uh, it's another document automation system. I haven't used it a whole lot, so I'm not entirely familiar with it, but that was another one of the names that was thrown out. So uh, we had a pretty good discussion about that uh, and where we think document automation is going. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of it's going to tie in with, you know, software's ability to integrate with all these different web systems. And I think that's really where one of the big, uh, you know, areas of growth is going to be is, is who can get these integrations working the best first. So I think the race is on in some sense for that. Um, the other issue I think is, you know, we talked a little bit about whether or not law firms should, should sell their documents on their websites and, you know, basically have like a DIY law service. And my opinion on that is maybe for simple things, it would be good, but for more complex documents, I just don't think that the average person's going to be able to fill out even an interview and come up with something that that's valid and legally binding necessarily, or has the right, is the right solution for them. Um, if you take something like the wealth council interview, um, there's no way a lay person would be able to fill that out. You, you really need some legal background to even understand what the options are. And so, you know, I, and the other issue then also is, um, you know, what kind of interface are you going to present to people? You know, most people want to want to do things on their smartphones now. So are you, you know, can you fill out a, a, an interview on a phone and how simple does it have to be for you to be able to do that? So I think, you know, we had some pretty good discussions along those lines. And if you want to see the discussion, uh, you can go to YouTube. And if you just type in Express Docs into the search bar, uh, and maybe we can also put a link to this in the in the show notes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but the the whole entire uh, panel is on YouTube uh, on the Express Docs channel. So, um, but it was a good talk, and so we really had a we had a good we had a really really good discussion about where we think things are going to be heading in the future. But I I don't think document automation is going away anytime soon. So. Yeah. I was I was just thinking one of the things that you had mentioned. Well, a couple of them. Uh, one was that um, who was it? It must have been must have been like 20 years ago, um, shortly after Windows 95 came out, that I was working at a, an internet startup, and um, this was back when Seth Godin was not as 
well-known as he is now. And he came and talked to us. And what he was talking about um, was branding and things like that, not particularly tech-related. But he was talking about um, cars and, and car branding. And one of the things he said was that this new car, you know, 20 years ago that Toyota was coming out with, was spelled P-R-I-U-S. No one knows how to pronounce it. And the only way we'll know if it's ever a success is if people pronounce it without thinking about it. And so we'll know if Exari is a success if people don't have to think <laughs> about how to pronounce it. Yes. Um, so, of course, if you, if, assuming you're an adult or, you know, 10 years sure. old or more, you know, we're talking about a Prius that everybody knows how to pronounce now. Sure. Um, and then the phone thing. I was, um, I recently, uh, as you, some of you know, moved from uh, from Columbus down to Cincinnati because if you're going to quarantine, you might as well quarantine with someone else. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of dull. And so I brought down. Um, I have one of the original uh, like um, body scale things where you like you stand on it, and it can tweet out to the world how fat you are and stuff. And so for the first time in nine years, I had to set this thing up on a different Wi-Fi network, and it seemed so annoying that I had to go through and do it on a computer as opposed to doing it with Bluetooth on my phone. And so when you talk about people wanting to fill things out on their phone, I know that experience completely because I just went through it. And I'm like, I have to plug the scale into my computer to set it up. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think absolutely. Um, it might be a little bit better to do it with, uh, with like a tablet or an iPad, but, um, but yeah, phones, phones are definitely. Well, I think so. But I, you know, again, the challenge is, is that, you know, the phone screen's limited. You're limited by a, by a, by a, you know, a keypad that's not very, you know, easy to type on. I mean, a lot of people can text out paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs, but I think it's a lot harder to use. And so I think it, it'll be an interesting, you know, transition and seeing what people come up with. And I think there's some hurdles and I think there's a lot of room for innovation in those fields. Yeah, I think, um, I think not, it's not, I think one of the most exciting things about document automation is that it's not like, there are market leaders, but it's not like, um, you know, word processing where, um, it's Microsoft Word, or if you're young and hip or cheap, maybe it's Google Docs. Um, there's not something that's so overwhelming in the industry right now. And there's a lot of room for innovation and a lot of people, uh, the different companies are really pushing each other in that way, in, this, mm -hmm. in the same way that like um, Android and iOS sort of drive each other. And if uh, and we as users, as customers, as legal, uh, legal professionals benefit from yeah. that. Yeah, and I think I think the other issue too is, especially with a lot of the startups, is they're sort of reinventing the wheel. When and that's another thing we talked about was the fact that a lot of the more mature products have already solved a lot of the problems that the startups are just now discovering, and so that's it's also an interesting challenge. So uh, speaking of that, we've got a very innovative, uh, very innovative company on the uh, on the podcast today. Uh, so Judy, um, let's dive in and talk about um, some of the things that uh, have been going on with Big Hand. Just give us a bit of an overview. What's new and exciting there? Awesome. So we've been really diving into the um, the delegation process with everyone working from home so much now. Um, so task delegation, I think, is what we've been. Uh, focused on the most right now you know of course we have our templating software and numbering and section software um, that always does really well whether you're in in the office or you're working from home but i think with the, the new focus of more and more people working from home and it, it looking like that is going to be how a lot of people remain um the template or the task delegation arena is really where we've been putting a lot of focus and spending time 
And so has there been a, like a big learning curve where people are the people that you're seeing come in to, to task delegations to sort of the situation that we have with COVID? Are they folks who are brand new to the idea of how do I give someone work and figure out how to get it back from them? Or are they people who would use the product for a while and are now just discovering sort of additional benefits? Yeah, that's a great question. Now, it's the former, actually. And it really is more that um, people, especially attorneys, are, are having to get used to a different workflow. And it really is an easier workflow, but it's just a change and it's a difference. So instead of them going to their one person that they've typically worked with you know, for a while, they then go to this automated system. So just kind of that just change in behavior is what we see people struggling with the most. The software itself and the process behind the scenes, I mean, you can... I mean, I, you can install it and, and figure it out in just a matter of minutes. So from that perspective, we don't see a big need for a lot of training. It, it really is a kind of plug and go deal, but it's really more the culture and the habits that attorneys are having to kind of break from than it is the software change itself. So uh, the, with, oh, go ahead, John. I was going to say, could you, could you describe, you know, the problems that you're, you're trying to solve with the task delegation a little bit more, maybe expand on that a little bit? Sure, of course. So um, we'll just do a, a scenario. You have an attorney who is, um, you know, the, the closing date is set for this Friday at five o'clock, um, which for us, that's in about three or four hours. <laughs> and at the last minute, as always, in true form, there are a lot of changes that need to be made. So if that attorney's secretary happens to be out on vacation, he may not know who to go to to get that work turned around quickly. He may not know just in his mind who is the most skilled who knows exactly how to make these really specialized changes and who can do it super fast? Well, the task delegation system is set up in a way and configured in a way that he can submit that work. It goes into a workflow and that task is delegated to the right people at the right time. So that's just kind of one scenario of what, of what this solves. Another scenario is the work from home situation. Um, you have attorneys who are no longer having that kind of face-to-face -face collaboration with their legal assistants. They, they themselves are working from home. I'm just like everyone else. Is. So when they need work done, you know, getting that face-to-face -face time may not be possible. Um, that assistant may not be online at the moment, or they may be dealing with something in their home at the moment, you know, just dealing with children and, and pets and just things that come up in your own house has been presenting a challenge. Um, something that we really didn't think about with work from home, but it is real. It is something that really happens. So if the attorney really needs something done quickly, they can go to their task delegation platform, submit that work. And again, it goes into the right queue, gets in the right hands, and the work is turned around much faster than them trying to go to their one person. It also prevents bottlenecks. Um, so yeah, a lot of, lot of um, cool solutions that this all solves. I guess my, my other question would be, how would you, how do you go about defining the skill sets that, that people have? Is that customizable for every firm? Do you have like a standard set that you guys have, have come up with? How does that work? So that, um, it, it, I would say it's more uh, specific to the firm and the culture there. And I believe that's something that our um, Big Hand Now team works with and consults with to set all of those properties up on the back end properly. That's not something I have a hand in myself. Um, but it is rather something my, my colleague does. So I get to hear fun things about it, but you know, I can't tell you the actual specifics okay. on, on what the configuration is. And then in terms of, you know, you know, cause everyone's hours seem to be a little bit 
uh, working hours seem to be skewed sometimes working from home. Um, you know, have you run into any scenarios where, uh, I guess, well, how, how does it, does it determine when somebody's available or are there set hours? How do you, how do you guys handle that? Yeah, all of that can be configured on the back end. And that is another, really another benefit to having a task delegation system in place is that depending on what the firm decides, how they defer, how they decide to set working hours and, you know, certain job role responsibilities and their working hours, um, an attorney could theoretically always know that there could be someone in the queue waiting for work. And again, that just really is kind of a firm cultural decision that has to be made on, you know, what are the hours we're going to make this available. But you're you, right, we definitely in the document creation space have realized that people are not sitting at their desk from eight to five every day. It's a really, it's a, it's a much more flexible situation. So I, I get that totally. And then in terms of, I mean, what, what size firms do you typically install like a, a this kind of system in? Well, we, we've done everything from small mid to large. Um, I'm not sure if we can say the firm name. On this. No, no, you don't have to say the firm names. You don't have to yeah, say the firm yeah. names, but. We have, um, we have a lot of, um, you know, just it, it's across the board. So task delegation is something that is needed in any law firm. I mean, if you're more than just a handful of lawyers and you're turning around a lot of work product, having an automated system in place is going to benefit you and help with productivity levels no matter. So. And then, and then the other thing you touched on a little bit was, was culture changes. And, you know, you said the software is really easy to use. Do you find that training, you know, involves more of training the people to, you know, be in this new culture or is it, is it something different? Yeah, and that message really has to come from, you know, firm management, right? So when a firm decides, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this, we're going to do task delegation, and, and we're going to use the software to, to solve these problems, they really have to do a good job of, of laying out the benefits to their attorneys so that they understand, you know, why this is necessary and why it's important and really how it's going to help them. Um, you know, what is the benefit to them? So once they have that buy-in, when it comes to us and it's time for training, the training can happen in minutes. And it's, it's a really cool, slick program. Um, so we find that once they have understood the benefits of that behavioral change, actually implementing the process is, is pretty seamless. So uh, one quick question just to clarify is, are there different products or are we talking about one product? So if someone wants to like uh, Google it or go to your website and take a look at this, is it a suite of delegation products or is there one that scales up and down depending on need? Yeah, great question. So, so Big Hand Now is the task delegation product that I've been kind of referencing. And we also have Big Hand Voice, which is speech recognition, so dictation. Um, you, can, you can use Big Hand Now by itself although it's super easy just to turn on that dictation module. And what we find is that when attorneys start using task delegation and realize, wow, this is incredibly easy, um, turning on that voice module um, just really kind of adds to that robust solution of solving all of those problems where they really struggled in the past. When we're talking about the, the COVID-19 um, problem and everyone really needing to stay working from home. And, you know, when you think about an attorney who is, really in the habit of, you know, manually marking up their documents. That's really something that people are trying to get away from because of the security risks involved. So when they have something like Big Hand Now for task delegation, Big Hand Voice for speech rec, they can actually dictate 
those document changes and looking at the document on screen on their secure platform behind a VPN wall, they can dictate the changes that need to happen in that document. And then with Big Hand Now, they can fire that off to the task, to the queue, and that document can be turned around pretty quickly. So that, that sounds, so the document is on the screen and they're dictating changes into uh, Big Hand Voice. Does the, um, the secretary or the paralegal, do they get, do they get just the audio recording or do they get the video of the document too? Um, so they get the, the audio recording and there's really no video of the document per se. They'll just, they'll have the document, whether the, the attorney has decided to attach it um, via the task delegation system, or they're referencing, you know, this is document XYZ in our DMS. Um, okay. So it's, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It's not a, it's not a video and audio platform. It's really just dictation. And, and and so you mentioned the DMSs. What what DMSs does uh, do, do the products work with? Oh, what, pretty much anything. Um, if especially if it's a SQL backend, but you know, NetDocs, WorldDocs, iManage, all the heavy hitters. Awesome. Um, so for installation purposes, is this a is this a cloud based system, or do you run it on a server in your server room, or? How do you go about um, getting it up and, and running? Ooh, that's a great question. I would really want to um, point you back to our team that handles that. I don't have a hand just in that particular piece. Um, so, yeah, I can probably just give you some information on that. I, I believe it's it's locally sourced, but, yeah, I'll have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> okay, sure. No worries. Um, so what are so you do a lot of the training for, for uh, now and voice, right? So actually I do, um, my area is the document creation space. So I'm okay. create hyperstyles doc ID. Oh, okay. So, um, so tell us a little bit about uh, some of the training. Uh, do you have any good training war stories from like uh, doing hyperstyles type stuff or, or anything like that when you're, uh, when you're out and about? Oh, sure. <laughs> well, one of the things that we uh, run into quite often is um, you know, someone like this just happened a couple of weeks ago where I had a secretary call me directly. And usually they don't do that. They usually, you know, go through our support line. But this was just a hairy situation. We had only a handful of minutes to turn a massive document around. And they're a relatively new client. And unfortunately, they they came on board with, well, not unfortunately, but the timing was unfortunately. They came on board with creating hyperstyles right before um, 19 happened. So. Oh. We didn't, we were, we were set to go uh, travel to their office and do, you know, some really in-depth training, which is definitely a service that we provide and love to do. Um, we just, it was put on hold and put on pause. And so she just kind of, she had the software, she had had some exposure to it, but she didn't know how to do some of the specific tasks that she was given. So the scenario was she had this 198 page agreement that had been converted from PDF to Word. And she needed to put a table of contents in the document because the closing was happening soon. So the document was all manually numbered. There was a lot of cleanup that needed to happen. And she just really didn't know or feel confident in, in how to do that. So I was able to you know, connect with her and we, we fixed the document and, and had a beautiful table of contents in about eight minutes using the Hyperfiles uh, solutions. So that kind of thing happens all the time. Um, one of the things we love to say about hyperstyles is that it's a stress reliever. Um, it's actually really fun to use once you know where the tools are. Um, so yeah, she was she was super grateful and and just couldn't believe how easy it was. I mean, she was going to try to do everything in native word, but she thought at the last minute 
well, let me just call Big Hand. I mean, someone always answers the phone. We always answer our emails anyway. So then we were really happy to have that experience with her. I'm sure. What's your What's your experience been in training uh, law firms how to use styles? And and just as a bit of background, I you know we we do a lot of styles training, and we we're heavy heavy styles users here, um, and it's it's a massive time saver, especially with a with a longer document. I don't think most people understand, you know, how much of a time saver that actually is. And what I found is is if we go in and we train, uh, you know, the support staff how to use styles. Um, inevitably, the attorneys will break it. Like they'll they won't understand how to use it. They'll try to go back to manually formatting, and they'll just completely just mess up the document. Um, mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you've had a similar experience or how you deal with those kinds of issues. I've had that exact experience for exactly twenty years. So. This idea. So when I started as a legal or as a trainer, I was an IT trainer at a manufacturing company. And in that realm, I was teaching Microsoft Word, but very basic stuff, you know, just regular formatting. Almost everything was direct formatting because the only thing that that company was doing was creating, you know, correspondence. It was really nothing fancy. We spent more time training Excel than we did Word. So when I came to my first law firm out in California 20 years ago, um, I was given the legal secretarial training manual. And I almost threw up when I saw the Microsoft Word piece. I could not believe that there was so much in there about Microsoft Word. So it was my first time really working in a law firm and even understanding what legal documents were. So I think I have a really good um, basis and, and kind of foundation for being one of those rudimentary Word users who kind of went from there to, you know, more advanced uh, skills. So yes, yeah, so styles, um, it's one of my very, very favorite things to teach is styles and numbering. Um, I also really enjoy teaching table of contents and using all of our hyperstyles tools. I mean, anyone at Big Hand can tell you, if you want to talk to Judy on the phone, just bring up the word hyperstyles and she'll hear that it is something to do. But yeah, so, you know, I think that firms who um, have not yet delved into making styles and numbering kind of a required formatting attribute of a legal document, I think they're going to continue to struggle. Um, this day and age, especially with COVID-19, I think firms are starting to understand the importance of not just productivity and efficiency, but making everyone's jobs easier because working from home, although it sounds really sexy and fun, at the end of the day, it's not always easy. And sometimes, I think more often than not, it's more of a challenge to work from home than it can be to go to an office. I mean, I, I work from home. I have three children and a dog. And sometimes I just wish I could walk out the door and go to an office and be alone. So the, the easier you can make the document editing and construction process, which is with styles, numbering, and automation tools, the, the happier and more stress-free your employees are going to be. And then the quicker you're going to get those documents turned around. Yeah, no, I think I, I think the challenge is, you know, like I said, I think I think the support staff is usually on board with with you know doing things more efficiently. I mean, the the problem I've seen in a lot of places is the attorneys just have no idea and they have no interest in learning it, um, mm -hmm. and it's too bad. Like I've I've suggested to other firms in the past, what we should do is do a class and call it Beer and Styles and have a a keg and and teach people styles because maybe we get more buy-in, but uh, or maybe martinis and styles or something. I don't know, but. Uh, but uh, maybe that would work. But I just I can't tell you how many times I've 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 seen, you know, a secretary or a paralegal or an associate 
prepare a perfectly formatted document and they give it to a partner and they just they just tear it to shreds. It's almost unusable after the fact. And the frustrating part to me is is that you know as you know if you've got the numbering set up with the styles, you can just type your your paragraph in, click the style, and it automatically numbers it. It automatically renumbers the rest of the document and it formats it exactly how it should look. You know and the Big th takeaway from using styles, I think, is always, you know, consistency in the document, because I can't tell you how many, you know, 25, 30, 100 page documents I've, I've looked at and reviewed where the numbering system suddenly changes in the middle of the document or, you know, the, the, the indents are completely inconsistent and styles are a way to enforce that consistency. And and Jeff, I know you're talking about branding before. I think it's almost a form of branding because you can you can get your documents looking a certain way, and if you have a consistent set of styles, they they all look that way. Um, but again, I think it's 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 a challenge to get you know some of the some of the partners and and senior attorneys to to buy into that and actually realize that there's a need to learn how to use Word properly, um, you know. And I think that's that's a that's a challenge. Agreed. And, you know, one of the things that we try to do, especially when I was working in actual law firms, is we would always set out to um, have the legal assistance be power users with whatever, you know, solutions were in place. And two of the firms I actually ended up putting Create in. So um, it was really, you know, an easier way to get the uh, secretaries up to speed. But, you know, if, if we could find that um, holy grail of how, how do we get a lawyer into a training class, I think that, that would, we would probably all be yeah. lawyers. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen because they are they are focused on optimizing their billable hour. And that's really what they should be focused on. But if we can power train their support staff when they start to see that their support staff like, you know, wow, they, they use you use styles in this document. And you got it back to me in, in four minutes versus, you know, 30, 30 minutes or an hour. Wow. Right. Staff, wow. Stop. You know, they really are helpful. So right. the more you get the support staff up to speed and feeling comfortable and confident about using the formatting, they can then relay that information to their attorney because let's face it, attorneys, when they have a good relationship with their support staff, that's who they're going to listen to. And that's who they're going to be paying attention to. They, they rarely want to see a trainer walk by their office. A mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, follow-up question on that. Um, actually, I guess two-part follow-up question. One would be uh, who or what attorneys would fit the profile of sort of problem users? Are they older or are they younger? Uh, and then a follow on to that is, um, do you have any uh, issues getting uh, younger attorneys, I guess, particularly to use dictation tools? Ooh, that's a great question. Let's, let's start with the first one, which is, you know, um, newer lawyers, yes, they are more tech savvy, right? They have grown up with computers. I doubt you'll hear a new lawyer say anything about Windows 3.1. They probably don't even know what that is. <laughs> they that's right. You'll probably think it's some new app that's coming out. So, um, so you know, are they more tech savvy? Yes. I think that what that lends them to is just the, the openness of learning styles. You know, I think that in um, graduate schools nowadays, uh, people are learning to use Microsoft Word in a better way and, and become more efficient, at least get an introduction into styles in automation, right? Um, so I think that what law firms are going to start seeing is that younger attorneys are more accepting to using styles and following, you know, firm standards when it comes to formatting and passing the work off and delegating it when they realize that something is, you know, outside their area. For example, if they're doing a, a, just a 
or list in a letter, great. They can probably handle that. But when it comes to something more complex, you know, a, a, a litigation document with a bunch of exhibits, they probably will still pass that off to their legal assistant. Um, and the second part of your question was about dictation. So I think, again, just because newer attorneys um, have kind of grown up with tech in their hands um, and the way that dictation works with Big Hand Now, it's a really cool, slick app on their phone, um, which is something everybody, you know, people just, you're, you're rare to meet someone now who doesn't use an app for something because they just use one. Um, it's, they're way more, you know, open to that and really enjoy using those apps versus the old manual dictation equipment, which is just, you know, buttons and that sort of thing. They're just not even used to that. I think they would see that as something kind of more antiquated, to be honest. Do you, do you find with dictation, because I, I, this is sort of a side issue for me, is, is um, you know, I don't, uh, phones are so big now, you know, if the, the recorders got so small, they were, they were much easier to um, uh, fit in your hand. And I, I really, when I dictated, I always liked having the slide switch. Um, and I think the slide switch is just like to me. That's a vital piece of dictation equipment. Wait, John, I don't. I don't even know what the slide switch. You is. You don't know what a slide switch is? What does it do the, on a the slide switch on a on a on a uh, micro recorder or uh, any other type of recorder? You have a slide switch, and so the slide switch, you push it up all the way. Uh, usually it goes to record, and then if you pull it down, you can rewind it. You know, and then and then let it go, and it'll play back. You know, like the last couple. You know, you know. 10, 30 seconds or however far back you rewind it so you can listen to what you said. Um, and that was always a, 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 a key thing, I think, with dictation. And I'm, and I'm wondering, you know, you say you have the phone app. Do you get any comments or complaints about the lack of a slide switch on the phone to, to uh, when people dictate? So, um, no, not to my knowledge, I think. So with the phone app, there is a slider and an insert button. So you can slide back, listen, and insert when you need to. So it's just a difference in um, the type of sliding you do, I guess. <laughs> okay. But yeah, okay. so the, the ability to do what a slide switch does is there. That's good. And then I guess the other question is, do you feel like um, – you know, dictation always seemed like it's a it's a skill and it's a trainable skill. And I'm wondering if, you know, we've got the problem with training senior lawyers in styles. I wonder if we ha it's just a it's it's the flip side with, you know, the younger associates not wanting to dictate is that they don't really want to invest the time to learn how to dictate properly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's not really something that we've seen. I think with um, especially just. With how the software itself works, it's, it's really quite easy to use. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so the dictation methodology, I guess is what you're talking about with, you know, right. speaking and then paragraph, you know, new, new paragraph and period and all that. Um, I, I think that it doesn't take them very long to kind of pick up on those habits. And, you know, the if they get it wrong, their legal assistant who they're working with can always kind of help them. But for the most part, the, the software itself, it's, it's ready to go. I mean, the, the training... Um, we do give them some paragraphs to read. Um, so just by reading those paragraphs two or three times, that really does train the software itself enough to to recognize their voice and and customize their dictation to um, you know th their voice. So. And and do you feel that dictation is a faster way to generate a custom document than just typing it out? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you guys ever have any numbers on that, like like in terms of like uh, you know like how long it takes to type versus dictation or words per minute or anything like that? That's a great question. We may have something somewhere. I can I can ask around. 
and get back to you. I don't have anything mm-hmm. readily available, but we could always do our own test as well. <laughs> we sure. could just at the same time and go. <laughs> do you find that uh, people are, are, are gravitating towards using the phone as a dictation device instead of having, you know, a dedicated micro cassette recorder, mic- not cassette recorder, but a digital micro digital recorder, or even, you know, something like uh, Philips speech mic. Do you still see those used a lot or is it, is you see more phones? Oh, use? definitely more phones. Yeah, definitely more phones because, People don't want to have to carry, you know, two devices around. And then um, if the battery is dead on their dictation and they're kind of SOL, um, the uh, the bulkiness of it is another thing. People are just getting so used to having these thin, sleek phones and knowing that their dictation is always going to be on them. If they have their phone, they can dictate um, versus they've got to grab the phone. They've got to get the dictation equipment. Um, and then how do you get the, the recording off the dictation equipment? It depends on how old it is, of course, but... I'm just knowing that with the phone, you can quickly dictate or delegate. Now, this this app is for task delegation as well. Um, I don't want to kind of miss that that point. Um, but this one app does both. And they can just accomplish so much with just one thing on their phone that they already have on them anyway. Nice. So, um, one question that I had that's with sort of the dictation stuff, does it, it does a transcription for you and then does it, what, what are your options to do with it after that? Does it send it to your support staff to compare the dictation against the audio? Does it return it to you as a word doc, a text doc? What's sort of the output? Yeah. So we do have integration across the board. So let's just go through a little storyline. So I'm an attorney, I'm on vacation, but there is an important memo I need to get out to a client. I can actually go into the app, I can record the memo, I can fire it off to the task delegation queue, and the task delegation queue will know that that needs to be a create template based on a memo. So the legal assistant or whomever picks up that work can open that up and it'll be into the memo directly. So they can compare the voice with the the text and it does line up and they can play, rewind, um, and then once everything is finalized, the document is finished. So there is complete integration with all three aspects, dictation to voice, or I'm sorry, dictation, or now, I guess I should call it voice to now to create. That's really awesome. So it not only says, you know, hey, you know, Martha, I've got a memo here, but by the fact that you've in the uh, voice app on the phone classified it as a memo, when it shows up on Martha's computer, it's already in a create template for uh, internal memo or memo to file or whatever it is. Right. And this, the same is true for all sorts of, I mean, we're just talking about create memos right now, but if you have an expense report, um, you can delegate that. So you can dictate the, the information, you know, the same workflow. So uh, voice to now to the, the accounting department. So there are all kinds of, of, ways that that work can be routed to the right people. You know, we were talking in the beginning about getting the work done, you know, sent to the right people at the right time. This is another scenario. So typically an attorney would fill out their expense report, email it to a secretary. If the secretary is available, she could then proof it, whatever she needs to do, email it to accounting. In this scenario, the, the, and is she even at work that day? What's the work from home situation with COVID? You know, there are all kinds of constraints that can come into play there. But with now and voice, it can all be streamlined and go into a queue where someone is available, you know, pretty much 24-7 or whatever hours by forth the, the firm has set. 
and then it can go straight to accounting. Nice. That's, that's really awesome. I, th- I think that that's probably the sort of the coup de gras that you like you you dictate the memo and then it shows up and all somebody has to do is proof it and either PDF it and email it or, you know, print it and mail it, whatever it might be. So I think that's really mm-hmm. awesome. Absolutely. Do you have a, what, what percentage of uh, folks that you work with do that whole, like that whole cycle, like have all of the products lined up and they do that sort of automation? Not enough. I think <laughs> not enough. I think that you know when when we talk to um, uh, law firms about now, it, it's one of the things that you could put into place almost immediately and solve a problem right then and there. It's a very intuitive, easy system to use. Um, and the really, you know, as we talked about before, the biggest constraint is the cultural change and the behavioral change that has to take place in order for that you know for that process to um, to, to be accepted. With the template management software, there's a little bit more that goes on behind the scenes, you know. So uh, did they have a current solution in place? Are they pulling that out? Are they migrating? Um, are they coming from native word to create? You know, what is what is the uh, work behind the scenes that needs to happen? Um, and so if you have a, a company who is really focused on that piece, um, we try to put the, you know, we try to put it in and then at some point start talking to them about, you know, now and voice. So it's just, it really depends on what the, the company sees as a priority. But if, if everyone would be open to hearing, you know, that storyline about how you can quickly accomplish work, we would just be, we'd be in good shape there. Oh, we really appreciate you uh, sharing the, uh, the product information. Uh, if someone wants to reach out, uh, they can always do comments at docsafterdark.com. We'll be happy to pass it along. Uh, I'll put, if it's okay with you, Judy, I'll put your email in the show notes. And then is there anything special they should do as far as reaching out beyond that? No, just reach out to me and, and we'll get your questions answered and get you to the right people if you want to continue the conversation. Awesome. Great. So I'm going to hand it off to you. Judy is going to do our uh, document story, our document fact for our <laughs> September podcast here. So uh, Judy, take it away. What story do you have to share with us? <laughs> so I actually already used it in the uh, scenario that we gave earlier. <laughs> just for uh-huh. the one I was going to um, say for the end, you know, with the secretary who called um, just in, in a tizzy trying to get a document out the door in a few minutes. Um, if you can give me a second, I'll try to come up with another one. Um, uh, yeah, take your time. Uh, in the meantime, we'll have open mic night. So, John, have you heard? Have you have you heard this joke? Two men walk into a bar. The third one ducks. Uh, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, do you have a good punny joke while we're waiting, John? I do not. No punny jokes. No, I do not. Oh, uh, not today. You're ready. All right, go ahead, Judy. What do you got? Thank you. So I was just sitting here thinking, you know, our discussion today was all about, you know, workflow and, and automation, but we really didn't talk much about training. And that's something that, you know, I personally, and I'm sure you all believe if, Training is such an integral part of um, having a successful product in your in your firm. You can spend all the money in the world on software, and if your users aren't trained efficiently and, and stuff, then they're not going to use it in the best way that they could. So, one of the things that we found, especially with COVID, was that you know as everyone was transitioning their support staff, you know, to working from home, they needed some immediate training. Right? How do I? Maybe maybe the support staff wasn't doing as much work in creating hyperstyles and even voice and now as they had been previously. 
So one of the things that we offered was um, our online webinars, and we've been doing those um, pretty much every Thursday. So if your firm has been considering, you know, how do we increase our users' skill sets and stuff, our webinars are really great for that. Um, and we do a lot of storylines in the webinars. You'll hear us talk a lot about, you know, it's Friday at five o'clock and you're at the closing table and you've realized that your table of contents is totally whacked up. So how do you fix it? You know, so we kind of talk about that sort of thing. Um, and that has been really, um, really helpful. We had a firm out in uh, Washington who uh, called us at the last minute um, when they were trying to put COVID or their, um, Oh, their disaster recovery process is in place for, for everyone working from home. And um, we got on with them and did um, every day for an hour for a week. We got on with all of their different uh, practice areas and did, you know, custom training for, well, this is how you use create and hyperstyles for real estate. And this is how you use it for litigation. And they found that that was really helpful. So just the more you can train and offer training to your users, I think on any solution you have in place, the better. Yeah, that's, I think that's been our experience. Um, Danielle does a lot of our training, and I think, uh, Danielle, when you say your experience has been that uh, doing uh, like task-based sort of training, like here's what I need to get done is one of the most effective ways. Absolutely. It really resonates with everyone a lot better. Awesome. So great story, Judy, showing the product in action. Really like that. Um, so we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we ran a bit long, folks. So hopefully it took longer to mow the lawn in the rain or whatever you're doing at home during COVID while you're listening to the podcast. Uh, so again, um, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Judy, for being a phenomenal guest and very entertaining and laughing at my terrible jokes. Uh, so uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up uh, for our uh episode 27 of Docs After Dark for September of 2020. Uh, I'm Jeff Schoenberger. I'm Danielle Davis-Rowe. And I'm John Federico. Thanks for listening. <laughs>